Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. Uh, so I'll start off with a story today. Uh, back in the uh, 1980s, so a couple of you will remember the 80s, not very many, uh, but there was this uh, brilliant investment banker and he had helped to launch a number of very successful businesses. So this, uh, this young man uh, sends in a uh, prospectus, a proposal for a company he wants to start to the guy he looks it over and he says, this isn't going anywhere and he refuses to meet with him. So uh, instead of that, at the same time, he ends up investing in something called quadraphonic sound, which was the next big thing. Stereo was out, quad was in. Anybody remember quadraphonic sound? Let me ask, how many of you have a quad system in your home today? Okay. Uh, clearly uh, that went nowhere and he lost uh, his investment in that. By the way, the, uh, the young guy that sent the prospectus into him that he turned down was named Bill Gates. And the prospectus was for a little startup uh, called Microsoft that he wanted to uh, get off the ground. And I share that simply to say this, that sometimes things aren't what they appear to be. And things might look weak, they might look frail, they might look silly, they, they, they might look lame, but they prove to be other than that. So today as we, uh, we've been this month, uh, kind of a, a series in, on Advent, the arrival, the coming of Jesus into the world and talking about uh, what that means to us. We're going to continue that today. And my title this morning is, how does this work? There, I did it. Gosh. Uh, expect the unexpected. Let's, uh, let's pray and then we'll, we'll get into the text a little bit and we'll, we'll go from there. So Father, I, uh, I pray that you would open our hearts this morning to receive your word and that it really would penetrate deep into our spirits and cause us to really look for you and expect you in ways that we, we might not otherwise expect you and see you. In your name we pray, amen. I'm gonna go uh, back a little bit beyond the Christmas story, uh, go back about 700 years actually to the prophet, of, uh, prophet Isaiah uh, for today's text, we're going to look at uh, the last few verses of chapter 52 and then the first few verses of chapter 53. I'm going to read the whole passage together and then we'll come back and talk again about it. It says, look, my servant will prosper and succeed. He will be highly honored, raised up, and greatly exalted. Just as many were appalled to the sight of him. There's a little bit of a, you know, a dichotomy there. He's going to be raised up and exalted, but... People were appalled at the sight of him. Parentheses, he was so, mar, his, so marred was his appearance like an object of horror, he no longer looked like a man. So now he will startle many nations. Kings will be shocked, speechless before him, for they will now see a sight unheard of, and things never considered before now fill their thoughts. 
Who has truly believed our revelation? To whom will Yahweh reveal his mighty arm? He sprouted up like a tender plant before the Lord, like a root and parched soil. He possessed no distinguishing beauty or outward splendor to catch our attention. Nothing special in our, is his appearance to make us desire him. He was despised and rejected by man, a man of deep sorrows. He was no stranger to suffering and grief. We hid our faces from him in disgust and considered him a nobody, not worthy of respect. And yet he was the one who carried our sicknesses and endured the torment of our sufferings. We viewed him as one who was being punished for something he himself had done. As one who was struck down by God and brought low. But it was because of our rebellious deeds that he was pierced and because of our sins that he was crushed. He endured the punishment that made us completely whole. And in his wounding, we found our healing. Like wayward sheep, we have all wandered astray. Each of us has turned from God's paths and chosen our own way. Even so, Yahweh laid the guilt of our every sin upon him. Isaiah says that uh, he will startle many nations. And there are a lot of startling things about Jesus but uh, as we think about Advent and Christmas in this season, one of the startling things about Jesus, of course, was his birth. Isaiah compares it to a tender plant in parched soil. And if you've done any gardening at all, you know that that's not a good situation, right? We have at our house outside of our, uh, we have a big high window in our living room. And right outside of it, there are four Douglas fir trees that are probably, I don't know, maybe 100 years old or somewhere in that neighborhood. They're huge and they have very deep root systems. And so if, in fact, we had a drought here and it didn't rain for a month or two months or maybe three or four months, those trees would be fine. Their root systems are such that they will pull water up deep from down in the ground. But... Uh, a little seedling, and maybe you've done this with your kids or maybe on your own, I don't know, but you plant the little seedling in the little cup and it sprouts up. And if you let that dry out for a day, uh, you might lose it because it's tender. The root system is not deep like those big trees. And that's what Isaiah is saying the beginning, the birth of Jesus was like. It's very frail and tender. Jesus uh, was what some people would call an illegitimate child. I don't know if that's a politically correct term or not. Elsa will tell me later. It's okay? Okay, thank you. Um, she's my filter. Regardless if it's a politically correct term or not, it's kind of a harsh term. I don't think the child chose to be illegitimate, nor did the child choose to be born at all. I, I want to say this for a moment. Time out. You know, if, if anybody relates to that, if you're here today and you've ever been criticized, ostracized, or otherwise made fun of or pushed out because of any circumstances surrounding your beginnings and where you came from or anything like that, I want you to know that that does not in any way determine your value as a person, nor does it predict your potential for the future. God says you're of inestimable value to him. And there's no limits on what he might want to work into and through your life, regardless of where you came from. Jesus was born to an impoverished, unmarried 
teenage girl from a small town in the parking lot of a cheap motel. And quite honestly, circumstantially, it doesn't get much worse than that. I don't know if you've ever wondered about what would happen if Jesus were born today. What would, what would the sort of political climate, what would the uh, you know, pressure of, of outside people be? What would happen? Where, where would he end up? What, would he have been aborted? Would he have been abandoned? Would he have been put up for adoption? We don't, we don't know those things. Um, the truth is we try to sterilize the birth scenario very often, I think, that kind of image is what we picture. You know, there's this quiet, peaceful scene where Jesus was born. I don't think it was like that at all. And on that note, you know, I mean, some of the songs we sing, I, I, I'm a, I love Christmas. I love Christmas music. I don't know about you guys. I start playing Christmas music the day after Thanksgiving, and I pretty much listen to Christmas music exclusively all the way through the first of the year. <coughs> that said, away in a manger, no crib for his bed, the little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. Stars in the sky looked down where he lay, the little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. The cattle are lowing, the poor baby wakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I don't think that's how it went, to be quite honest. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. I, uh, look, I love, that's a beautiful song, it's a lie. I, 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 have been, I was at the birth of all four of our kids. First one was in the hospital. The next two were in a birthing center. The fourth one was in our bedroom. <clears throat> there were no uh, farm animals present at any of them. But it was not silent. The baby cries. You actually want the baby to cry. They're, it's noisy. It's messy. Uh, I, I don't think these songs are, are accurate in depicting the circumstances surrounding the birth of Jesus. I, I think it was dirty and messy and loud and um, it's just the way it was. Anything more startling than the circumstances of his birth might be who he actually was and what coming from that beginning he is able to accomplish in the course of his life he possessed no distinguishing beauty or outward splendor to catch our attention, nothing special in his appearance to make us desire him. Jesus was not this dynamic, charismatic figure. He was not the guy who walks into the party and lights up the room, you know what I mean? He's not the guy telling the cool jokes and, and, and really making everybody laugh and gather, everybody's standing around to hear him. He wasn't one of those guys. If Jesus was in your high school graduating class, he would not have been voted most likely to succeed. He would not have been most popular, best looking, best eyes, best legs, any of those things. The fact is, if Jesus were in your graduating class, very likely by the time your 10-year reunion rolled around, you would have forgotten all about him. He shows up at the reunion. What? Oh, man, I remember. That was that weird kid. Always wandering off, staring into space, talking to himself. What was that guy's there, there was nothing in his appearance to make us desire him. It's not going to be on the cover of People magazine like John Legend. 
Ladies can thank me later. Um, what's startling about Jesus is that he was probably the most unlikely to succeed. He was the most unlikely to become savior of the world. It, it, it is, I mean, I mean, the reality is that's how God works, isn't it? I mean, God does unexpected things. He uses people in unexpected ways. It, it makes perfect sense to me today that Jesus was the most unlikely person to be savior of the world. Years and years ago, when Donna and I were young and we were at the Anaheim Vineyard, there's always been a, uh, a heart and a value in the Vineyard Movement to care for those in need in our community and so forth. And, I, and when our church started, the first church, there was sort of some random efforts to do that, but nothing very, uh, you, know, you know, nothing focused, nothing organized. And then there was this young guy named Monty. And, and Monty had a heart to care for people. And, and the truth of the matter is, he was, he was kind of a nerdy guy. He had sort of these big, round, wire rim glasses and, and a, a mullet, and, and he wore, uh, what are those shoes called? Wingtips. He had, he had wingtips, and, and he was just kind of a nerdy guy. But him and his wife, uh, if you're wearing wingtips today, I, I apologize, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're cool, things go around, you know, but... Him and his wife would start making sandwiches on the weekend and put them in paper bags and then they would go down to this part of L.A. where there was homeless people and they would pass out sandwiches. And, you know, they started doing that on their own and then they would clean out their closet and they would get old shoes and stuff and take shoes and clothes to people. They started doing that and then a few people joined them and then their home group joined them and then they were doing it more and more. The next thing you know, they thought, well, we should, we should, we should feed people so, so they... they uh, they did a thing called uh, Like Our King's Kindness where they started serving food and having groceries come. And, and then they thought, well, we should do a hot meal. A hot meal would be great. Some people don't have food. So they started a thing called Lamb's Lunch. On Sunday after church, they would feed people. And uh, it wasn't very long until there were 800 people coming for lunch every Sunday. And they've got, uh, an ar- they've got a warehouse and an army of people out in the community taking food to people an unlikely guy, kind of a nerdy little dude, but uh, God used him in profound ways. And I think that's just how God works, you know? He moves through people that we don't expect him to move through. And Jesus was the first of those. (laughs) Jesus' birth was startling. His life was startling. Possibly, maybe, his death was the most startling thing about him. We'll move on from John Legend now. Sorry, guys. As many were appalled the sight of him, for so marred was his appearance like an object of horror, he no longer looked like a man. Uh, what is startling to me is that the Lord of the universe would allow that to happen to himself. Would allow himself to be beaten beyond recognition and nailed to a cross. I don't know if you remember, it's been 10 years or so ago now, The Passion of Christ, when that movie came out. It's controversial for a lot of reasons. Was, it was three hours long, which is too long for a movie. <clears throat> and it was also all in Aramaic, I think. And the most controversial thing was the graphic depiction of, of the crucifixion of Jesus. It was very, very brutal and violent and very graphic. I wanted to see it. <clears throat> but I knew I would cry. And I don't, I, don't, I don't particularly like crying in front of people. It happens, but I don't like it. So I waited till the movie had been out about three weeks when sort of the initial buzz died down. 
And then I went like on a Tuesday afternoon at one o'clock to a theater in Beaverton somewhere where no one would know me. And there were like four people in the theater and I literally went and sat in the very, very back row in the middle and I put my feet up on the seat in front of me and my arms around my feet and curled up into a little ball and peeked out over my arms to watch the whole three hour movie. And yes, I did cry. The reality though is if anybody saw it, as brutal as that was, it's probably the most realistic depiction of the crucifixion of Jesus ever committed to film. But it was, it was shocking, it was startling. It was not easy or fun in any way to watch. And as startling as the birth and the life and the death of Jesus were, how much more so how he brought salvation to you and I. 53.1 says, who's believed our revelation I'm reading from the Passion Translation today, but NIV says report. Who would believe our report? To whom will Yahweh reveal his mighty arm? Who would believe this? The book of Isaiah was written uh, to a people who were suffering. They were in captivity in Babylon, exiled, though they were not living in their own home, wanting to get home. And they believed that someday the Messiah would come and rescue them. He would redeem them. He would... He would release them from their captivity. He would defeat the enemies of Israel and he would allow God's people to be in their right place again. Nobody thought he would show up instead and go hang out with the poor and the sick and the homeless. That was not exactly what they were looking for. The illegitimate son of an unwed teenager who allowed himself to be arrested and beaten beyond recognition and crucified became a friend to the people who most needed a friend. And that's why Isaiah asks, who would believe this? No one expected God would defeat his enemies by allowing himself to be crucified. The whole message of Christianity is startling because it's, it's, it's the antithesis of what we think it would be. It cuts against everything that we think it should be. Here's a question. How many of you, especially anybody that's been walking with the Lord for any length of time at all, find yourself still sometimes trying to earn brownie points with God? You feel guilty for something you've done or more often typically something you haven't done. And, and so you, you say, okay, I'll, 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 I'll be a little better. I'll try a little harder. I'll, I'll give a little more. I'll serve a little more. And I'll be a better person. God will be happy with me and everything will be okay. We all do that. We do, we do that despite the fact that we all know that's not how it works. You can't get any better and make God like you anymore. And that's what's unexpected about the message of Jesus. It started because it, it cuts against everything that we think, everything the way that it seems like it should work. You cannot buy your way. You cannot earn your way. You can't not do any more to make God any more happy with you. It's like somebody says, hey, I've got a free round trip ticket to Europe with your name on it. You can go. You go, oh, thanks so much. I'll, I'll pay you back. You go, no, 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 you can't pay me back. It's, it's all, it's good. Well, I'll, I'll work some over. No, no, no. You, you think, well, I've got to, I'll, I'll, I'll do something nice for you. No, you, you don't have to do it. It's all, it's yours. It's free. It's there. There's nothing you can do. Nothing you can do to make this any better. Nothing you can do to, to pay your way in. Rejected Jesus. 
illegitimate Jesus, unlikely Jesus is the one person that God chose to redeem our lives. It's an amazing thing. Isaiah says, yet he was the one who carried our sicknesses and endured the torment of our sufferings. We viewed him as one who was being punished for something he himself had done, as one who was struck down by God and brought low. Survey says anybody that goes through that kind of torment had to have brought that on themselves. I, uh, I'm, re- I'm reading the, this, this book right now by John Grisham, and it's called The Guardians. I don't know if you guys have ever read John Grisham, but he's a Christian, and he weaves faith into all of his stories, or at least the more recent ones, and it's just about this people that, this, this lawyer that goes and gets people that have been wrongly convicted off. They're, they've been in prison because of something, they were convicted for something they didn't do, and he'll do research and find out and go and, and help release them. And that's really the case with Jesus. You know, Pontius Pilate is always sort of depicted as the bad guy in the story. But I actually think Pilate was duped. I, I, he asked the people what do you want me to do with Jesus? And I really think in Pilate's heart, he would much rather have said, let's just make him go away. Let's just send him off and forget this whole thing ever happened. But that's not what happened because the people responded and said, crucify him, crucify him. And so the, the, the burden, the weight of popular opinion rested on Pilate's shoulders and he had to follow through. But at the end of the day, it wasn't Jesus' fault at all. Isaiah says it was because of us that he was there. Our rebellious deeds that he was pierced, our sins that he was crushed. He endured the punishment that made us whole, and in his wounding we found our healing. It was was on us that he endured the punishment he endured, uh, and and that we have wholeness and healing. And that, my friends, is the gospel. That's the gospel. Everything that happened to Jesus was on our behalf. I'm going to um, finish up if you guys want to come on back up. God sent his son to be born on Christmas morning to take our place. That was the whole plan from the very beginning. To be our substitute. The son of the father was sold into slavery so that we could be free. Uh, he lived and died so that we could know God's favor. He was forsaken so we could be forgiven. He was separated from God that we might be reconciled to God. And that, that's the gospel and that's really the Christmas story. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org slash give.